0: Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. I love this quote. It says, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Has anyone lived long enough to know that that's true yet? That this is not our home. There's another driving force in us is something calling us so deeper the thing that we've been searching for we can't find and it must mean that it was made for another world we were made to be gods and every other thing will always leave us empty hence why in the world were we even doing love the city we're doing love the city because we want people to experience what they've been looking for they're looking for love in all the wrong places because there is a battle going on over each individual. There's an enemy that is grabbing people and trying to pull them and manipulate them and saying, look, look at my kingdom. You can go all the way back to when Jesus, he does the same thing to Jesus. He says, look, Satan's shown him, look at all these kingdoms, you can have anyone pick one. Follow me, submit. He's trying to mock him and Jesus responds with the word of God each time. Have you been shown some kingdoms, some false desires, some false lies? we could gain all of the kingdoms and the riches of this world, but what would it profit us if we lost our soul? Let's lose our lives to the one that we can trust, the one that has overcame it all, and that his kingdom, when he comes back, I love his kingdoms because it's so different than the world. The world says, look, I got status, I got power, I got jets, I got championships, I got gold medals. All that stuff is fine in its proper order. God is more important than all of that. In his kingdom, he comes, he flips it upside down, and he says, I'm here for the weak, I'm here for the broken, I'm here to forgive, I'm here to love, and that's where I want my kingdom to be present, is amongst the people, not in things or power, in status, in politics. I want it to be with the people. Love the city, let's go. It's gonna be awesome. This morning, we are going to continue with Nehemiah, Look at his leadership lessons that we can grow from. And his leadership lessons are pretty shallow if it's not God leading through him. That's what makes Nehemiah a great leader. is not a great leader because he believes in his own power. He's a great leader because he recognizes I'm nothing without him. I find strength only in him. And when we try to boast and make ourselves look better or try to manipulate it in such a way that we try to make our name great, Nothing great happens. Eventually, we find ourselves in an empty island by ourselves and all alone, and then God reaches us there, and he shows up in our darkness. I remember when we were driving back from Florida. It was actually Atlanta. We made a little stay in Atlanta for a day, and then we were driving straight back from Atlanta, and it was me, Crystal, Rob, Christina, she was pregnant, and we had our three oldest children. We didn't have our twins yet at that time. And we took four months. We were out in City Life, Philly, and then we were at a crossover church in Tampa, Florida, and we were basically getting around organizations that we felt that really had the same type of DNA that we wanted to see here in City Life. And so as we're spending this time away, we're really excited to get back to Michigan because God has called us to be in Lansing, and we're excited to get in dirty and get to work and find ourselves in the schools and the neighborhoods and doing all the things that we love to do in the city that we're from. So we only took a little kind of like uh, training, if you will, for four or five months. But our goal was to get back. And so as we're coming back, we caught this crazy virus and all of us started getting sick, like throwing up insanely. Okay, not to be too graphic here, but it was like nuts, and I'm sitting there, I'm driving, it didn't hit me yet, and I'm like sweating before it even happens. I'm just like, okay, I hope this doesn't hit me. I hope this doesn't hit me. We're trying to look it up online. I think it was like the norovirus or something, where it just spreads so quick. And uh, so we're pulling over, throwing up, and all this stuff. We just want to get home. Like we don't want to spend money on another hotel, and we got so many of us, so a hotel doesn't look easy. So it's kind of like drive home and everybody's throwing up, or pull over and go to a hotel and get everyone out that's throwing up and get all these kids. So it's a full van with full luggage. Okay, so this isn't just like. Oh well, why don't you just stop and pull over? We did stop and pull over to throw up, and then if we stop to pull over, we gotta throw up at the hotel. So it's just like that; it's constantly going. Well, finally, it hits me in Michigan. We're almost home, about an hour and a half away. Coming up, you know, uh, 23, almost getting to 96, and it—I just cannot even function. So I'm pulling over and they're we stayed in a McDonald's in the parking lot for like an hour. I don't want anybody else to drive because it would make it even worse. So I'm just like, we gotta go to a hotel. We gotta go to to a hotel. I'm like, I'm opting out. I'm done. I'm done. I'm tapping out. This is UFC. I'm done. And uh, Rob looks at me and he's like, we gotta go. We gotta keep going. And it was downpouring, downpouring. We pulled over, made it a little longer, about 20, 30 extra miles, pulled over at the Howell exit right there, uh, right where the outlets are. And I remember the Lord speaking to me at the gas station right by the Arby's and with the McDonald's connected to it. The Lord spoke to me for like an hour there. And I wrote down all these things. And he kept saying, look, I've been a part of your life before you even knew it. And I've been orchestrating this whole moment, taking you back all the way to Lansing, but it's been my story going through you. I've been trying to lead through you for people. And I, he's writing all this stuff to me, and reminding me, I'm passing all the exits I grew up as a kid. I was you know, raised in Pinckney, I actually was, I was born in Ann Arbor, we passed that. I lived in Ipsy for a little while, passed that. I grew up in Pinckney for a little bit, passed that. Uh, found, my dad lived in Howell for a minute, passed that. And then we're basically gonna go, I lived in Williamston for a minute, passed that. Lived in Mason for a minute and then lived in Lansing. And that's where we were going. And he says, look, I've been writing your story, just see it. It's been me who's taken you to the city. It wasn't you or your idea. And he asked me this question, will you serve me through the storm as it was downpouring? Will you serve me through the storm? It's an easy answer because a lot of times we think, okay, God, I wanna get out of this conversation quick, but it's hard to live. Some of us are facing storms today and you've been in it for a while. And there's permission to go th- through a storm and hurt and cry and, and wonder and struggle and wrestle and lament. But I hope that you would hear that question too. Will you still serve God through the storm? And I was reminded that this week, I was laying on my couch, I don't know if you remember when the storms hit. It was kind of like Florida for a minute. It was like storming and then it'd be sunny, storming and then sunny. And I was laying there and we, we got a phone call this week that wasn't always the happiest news. And it was adversity, it was opposition for sure in some way, shape, or form, but it was also opportunity. And we didn't really see it like that initially because it's kind of, we want the pity party. I'm like, oh, why does this have to happen? What's going on? How do we deal with this? This is adversity. And I'm laying there and it starts pouring again. And God says, remember the storm? Will you serve me? And I said, yes, Lord, I will. And just a minute later, it quit raining. So we look at Nehemiah. We're gonna find out that there were storms. And they responded in such a way that they're like, No, we're not coming down. Opposition is opportunity, and we're gonna make something happen. As Nehemiah takes God's people, they do something epic, and he was following his tears as he saw that the wall of Jerusalem was burnt, destroyed. God's people are in exile. They're not where they need to be. They're not where they're supposed to be. It's not how it was intended to be. It's very similar to us. It was never intended to have pain, suffering, darkness, brokenness. That's the effects of sin. So we've all been exiled out of our homeland, which is Eden with God. And God loves us so much that he sent Jesus down to be exiled out of heaven and to live as a foreigner and then to die a death that he didn't deserve, die a death that we deserved, and that he would bring redemption back to get his people home and build us the wall again. And so that is what the story's pointing to. It's showing us glimpses of what ultimately what's gonna happen with Jesus. As Nehemiah is leading and he's trusting God, and he follows his tears and he said, this can't be. And then he raises up a team after the king gives him permission, king gives him rights, kings gives him approval, and he has authority now and he raises up a team. And he doesn't tell anybody his vision initially. He keeps walking, He goes in confidence and strength of God because he prayed on his face with God. He had moments probably very similar, like, will you serve me? He's just, God, I care about your ways. I care about your kingdom. I care about what you want alone. This shouldn't happen. Remember your people. Have mercy according to your steadfast love, as a great leader should. Fall on their face and say, it's not on my strength. It's in his strength alone so the king gives him the permission and he raises up a team and the team, and he says this to him, let us rise and build. And that's what we did last week. We said, we're all gonna rise and build. We grab a brick. We wrote names down on it. We wrote different things in the city that breaks our heart. I was writing on my brick this week and there was family members that came to mind. There was individuals that came to mind. There was parts of the city that came to mind. I started writing on it. I said, God, do something great here. Do something awesome in Lansing. I started writing down peace. I wrote down unity. I said, rise and build, do something awesome, God. And then I wrote down the pledge amount of what we felt like we could give to love the city, which is a sacrifice. And we want it to be a sacrifice because no building project should be easy. It's hard. It's hard. That's why few people get a part of something and continue to see something through to the finish because it's very difficult. It is challenging, but it's so beautiful when we're tapping into the source and his power alone. And though it's one brick that I hold by myself, all of us putting all of our bricks together, we can do something amazing. And that's what's going on as we inject back into the story in chapter four. We're picking it up right here. It says, yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up, this is the naysayers coming to him. If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt. This is how Nehemiah responds. On their heads and give them up to plundered in their land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. It's a pretty controversial prayer. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Anyone that comes against the work of the Lord in any way, shape or form, this is a very serious thing, because if God's leading, God's in charge. And first, you have to answer, if God, does God exist? And so hopefully, at some point, you're peaked to that interest to say, like C.S. Lewis wrote, I have searched this world, and I'm not finding anything that can fulfill, so it must mean that I'm made for another world. And we see a designer. We see his intelligent design everywhere, as we see the order, and we see creation, and we see that there's a God. And we see, as we look at this God compared to all other gods, as all other gods say, here's what you have to do to get right. Here's how you have to climb the ladder. Here's what you have to do. I'm going to give you a set of rules. You have to trust your own understanding and you have to follow it. And then Jesus flips it upside down and says, no, I'm coming down to you because you're never going to be able to get up here. Hence, that's what grace is. Grace, you can't earn it, don't deserve it, never will get it. But God gives it so freely. And then by faith, we exchange our dirty, filthy lives, guilty before a holy judge that's perfect, and then we find redemption and freedom in Jesus. And that's why we sing the songs we sing. That's why we come and we rally and we celebrate. Because we're trying to stir one another up this morning to remember that this is not our home. And I know for many of us, probably throughout this week, we felt opposition and there's been some naysayers and there's been some mockers and there's been some doubters. There's been some questions in your type of faith or your walk. And there's even been uh, doubt in wrestlers in your own mind. And maybe you were the accuser to many other people and trying to pull someone else down. So that they wouldn't play in, in the way that God's called them to. But in all of that, what happens is the world tries to come in us. we got to get the world out of us and just pour more God in us. And when people hear that, what, time, what happens is we think, oh, it's just another like, quick, you know, self-help. Or i got to go work out at the gym and it's just another checklist. And it's not like that. It's oh so freedom. And when you've been set free, just let the sun set you free. Like let him set you free, quit trying to be free and then now go add a bunch of things that aren't like him. And so we're studying to wanna know him because we're captivated by his love that has pursued us. Verse six, so we built the wall. They go accomplish their mission, they build a team, They all have different skill sets. You got carpenters. You got some that can resource the mission that give uh, wood for the, you got singers. You got all these different people that come together in a team to be a part of something great as Nehemiah is leading them and championing it. And as Nehemiah's heart is ultimately God's heart for the people. God's heart to say, what is going on with my city? What's going on with my people? Why have they been scattered all over the place? and as he builds this team they rebuild the wall and all the wall was joined together in half its sight for the people i love this part had a mind to work work is the four letter square word that's why we went through the whole series of work work is good just like children are good but the effects of work are painful now since sin has entered the equation. The effects of having a child is painful now since sin has entered the equation, but it's still in its origin beautiful. So work in itself, that's why we feel so good once we put in a good day's work. We feel so good when we go to the gym, we get done because we were created to work. Now, some of us are limited with our um, uh, ability to work. Maybe we have some type of condition that doesn't allow us to work. And maybe some of us have been looking for a job, but that doesn't mean you still can't work. Work in your mind, be effective, work in your prayer, work at home, work in your block, work in your family. Put in a day's work, and they had that in common. This team is very focused. So Nehemiah follows his tears, Nehemiah goes straight to the Lord. Nehemiah has a specific request as the king asks him. He basically paints the picture of what he wants to see, this wall rebuilt. And he says, this has to be. It was the could be, should be, this must be. And this dream gets resourced by the king. He rallies a team and then he mobilizes a team and he recognizes we can't do this alone. We need each other. When's the last time we felt that? The tendency is to do this. You got your ball and you show up to the court and if it's not the rules or not the way you want it to be, I'm gonna take my ball and I'm gonna go home. Oh, are you gonna take your ball and go home? Dude, who hasn't done that? I have done that. Like literally and figuratively. We take our ball and go home because it's not the way I wanted it. Mm. I love God when he's all about the way I thought he should be. Like when we start to read scripture I think sometimes we use a permanent marker instead of a highlighter. And we start to, we look at a passage, we're like, "Mm, wow, this is so tough. He can't have meant that. All right, permanent marker over that one. Oh, this is the one. He loves me and he doesn't judge and his wrath isn't real. And oh yeah, and we start to modify all these things. Like he loves me and so we don't think that he's a judge and he's perfect. And we're like, oh, he just wants us to rest and sing all day, true. But he also loves when we work. So it's both and. It's all of it. And so it's messy, it's a beautiful art, and it's a story that's all built on the center, all built on the foundation, the cornerstone. So all of our bricks align with one individual that God is pleased to display all of his glory in and through and for Jesus. And so we work through him, to him, and for him, and that's where we find ourselves in a part of a team. And you think about, like, I don't know if you've been around a construction site, and you go to a house, and you see it built, the inside and the guts of it, they're not like the prettiest thing. Like if you just walk or drive by like a multimillion dollar home and just all of the wood is up, you'd be like, wow, that's a lot of wood. But no one's gonna be like, I can't." I would pay like 10 million for that. But if you put up the drywall on the inside, you start to walk around, you got some marble on the floors, you got some granite countertops. What about you got some nice siding? And you drive up, and then if the landscape is on point, what about some retaining walls? You got some stone. What about if you have like the gate that you can enter in, and it's got the nice, uh, it's got like uh, the lions on top, or even some places got like the two gargoyles, you know, and it's got an entrance gate, and you got to get a security code. You're like, wow, I am in the presence of greatness. Well, what about if on the inside, all of that two by fours were rotted out, and you would never see it? And then on the outside, we just think it's beautiful. That's how we look at church sometimes. It's how we look at the body. And that's how we look at roles. It's how we look at teams. And that's why we've gotten tainted many times. It's because as we faced opposition, we find ourselves, no, I've seen some two by fours that are old and bad. And I've watched us put things on it and just celebrated only the displayed gifts, if you will. We learn that though we're many different members, we all have different roles, but they're so equal. And what happens with a week like "Love the City" is it allows us to pull down all of the siding and just get right to the foundation. Because God's win looks so different than what this can look like. God's win is a conversation that you have with your coworker. God's win is when you listen to your spouse. God's win when you forgive and you don't want to. God's win when you're sitting there and just being loved by him. God's win when you're sitting there singing songs unto him, letting him sing songs over you. When you're tapping into his frequency, turning up his volume. When you're asking an individual, man, can I pay it forward? Man, he's seeing things differently. He's building a house differently, but he needs us all to work collectively a part of something greater than ourselves. And it's a beautiful thing when we're a part of something greater than ourselves. It is. There's a mission that all of us want to be involved in. All the stories and the hoorah moments and remember the Alamo. It's, it's those, wow, this dream, this vision. I want to do something great with my life. In the 36 years I've been on this earth, I've, I've seen something. And what I've seen is this This is probably the most poisonous thing that can destroy anybody. And it's called Regret. Regret on the end of somebody's life, they they're like, I just wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done this. The owner of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, and he said uh, he was making three hundred thousand dollars a year. So dude's got some money, okay? If he's making three hundred k, he's making three hundred k a year. And he's but he had this dream for Amazon, and he went around with his boss, and they're walking at the park, and he starts sharing his dream for Amazon, and the boss goes, That's an amazing dream for somebody else that doesn't make three hundred grand a year you're staying here. We want you to stay here. Let somebody else do that dream. We don't even know if that's going to work, Jeff. And he said, this is how he made his decision, which we know Jeff uh, Bessos making that decision uh, is radically transformed things. I mean, he's like now building rocket ships to go to space. He's trying to preserve certain time capsules that uh, would, we'd be able to see in hundreds and hundreds of years from now. So he's just, the technology's off the charts. So you know how, where he landed with this, but here's how he landed. He said, at the end of my life, would I be more disappointed if I didn't take the risk or that if I took the risk and failed? And the first one is that he didn't take the risk. That would have been the, the thing that would have haunted him more. So he jumped and he got a part of something bigger than himself and hence created Amazon. And for any person that's ever taken some risk or ever been a part of some great challenge and found themselves in a part of a great work, there's been risk. It was risk for Nehemiah's team. There's risk to rise and build. There's tension, there's adversity, there's doubters, there's naysayers. And in fact, it goes on to even threaten their life as we continue. It threatens their life. In verse nine, and we pray to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. So they're praying to God even for protection in their life. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens of failing, there is too much rubble. By ourselves we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, They will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. And at that time the Jews who had lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. So in the lowest parts of space, behind the wall, in open places, I station the people by their clans with their swords their spears, their bows, and I looked in a rose and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. How could he make such a bold statement? Do not be afraid. I think a lot of us gotta hear that. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of what happens with our income. Do not be afraid what happens with the government. Do not be afraid what happens with our lives. Do not be afraid. You hear it so many times. It's because there's a hope that's beyond this world, beyond this earth. For your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Remember the the Lord who is great and awesome. That's how he says it. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. How does he do it? He remembers the Lord. How do we do it? We remember the Lord. And then in chapter 4. It goes from chapter 5. Nehemiah, he gets very disappointed um, because the poor have been oppressed. He's like, this should not happen to the people. He steps up. And then in chapter 6, the naysayers are continuing. It says, in verse 2, Senballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, come and let us meet together at Hecathryim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. So he's able to discern, wait, they want me to go to this particular place, so we're going to kind of, coordinate and have a powwow. And here's what he says. I. So he sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. That's got to get so deep in our souls. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Some of us have came down. We've went and negotiated. We find ourselves with every opposition, every storm that happens, we're coming down off our ladder. We're getting off the work. We're saying, oh, pity party. Let's throw ourselves a pity party. At some point it has to stop. And here's why it has to stop. Not because you're strong, not because I'm strong, but because the God is strong and we got to be a part of a great work to believe that. We can't ask God to bless our work when it's not his work. So opposition is inevitable. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? He's like, I'm so focused. I don't know if you watch the Olympics at all. Those people are focused. They're super focused. That's been challenging because I'm like, am I that focused for what God cares about? Am I? Am I that focused on my family? Am I that focused on the city? Am I that focused on the church? Because these Olympians are seriously focused. And sometimes they can feel exhausting. Oh, I'm never good enough. I'm not as good as. But sometimes we do need a swift kick in the butt. Like, don't take your ball home, little buddy. Come and play. Quit being a baby. Like, let's focus. That's what I have. To, that's how I talk to myself. That's how I think God talks to me. So do you translate it for you. It might be like, oh no, I love you. Come here. We can play. You know, like you got the parents that come down and talk. I was watching one parent talk um, and they were checking their kid at the Mac and they were, they came down and they were like, they were like, okay. And they were talking in like little kid talk. It's, it'll be great. You're going to love today. I'll make sure you focus and make sure you get all your stuff ready. I'm like, what? he's like person's like seven it's like say hey here's I talk to Jerome he's seven I'm like Jerome get over here like what are you doing you know it's just totally different like uh, I want to treat him like anyways so I cannot come down I'm doing a great work here's the truth opposition is inevitable it's inevitable a storm will come it's inevitable it, it will come There will be adversity no matter what. I love this quote that my good friend, John Mashney, references many times. It says, adversity causes weak men to break and strong men to break records. Adversity. They said in sales, bigger the problem, bigger the paycheck. Are we solution-minded? When Pastor Tommy came from Crossover Church, he said, opposition is an opportunity. And it is hard. This is a hard message. This is hard to stay about, to finish It is hard to complete something, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And if you're not having opposition today, there's two thoughts that you can consider. You may be no real threat for God. You may not be doing anything great for God. Maybe that's why the enemy just lets you go. He's like, oh yeah, go do that. (laughs) Okay, I got them one, tranquilized. That one's just neutral. Or you could be in opposition to God. And it's God trying to bring you opposition, but it's not opposition in a bad way. It's correction and it's discipline because he wants you to have the hope and the strength. Here's where our hope and strength comes from. It's Hebrews 12. Therefore, since a... We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the founder, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him, he's gonna finish this task, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God, considering Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not, get this, grow weary or faint hearted. We will not grow weary or faint hearted because our strength is in the one that already went before us. And those that exercise faith in all of the Old Testament, the, the chapter right before this is said, it's the hall of faith, it's this hall of fame of all these individuals that did these mighty things for God, but they longed to see the day that was in Christ, and they were exercising that based upon the gospel. There's a quote by Theodore Roosevelt, and this is where we're going to close. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong men stumble, or where does the doer of deeds could have done them better? The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by the dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who er, who errs, who comes short again and again, but because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does not actually strive to the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, and who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails with daring greatly, so that his place shall never be those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Friends, this is what the bricks mean. This is what Nehemiah means. It takes us all, and we can't come down because we're doing a great work. The people of Lansing have been exiled, and a lot of them don't know the truth that God loves them and is pursuing them. And as we look to do a Love the City week, it's not about spending money. It's about us going to the people. And for Nehemiah, it was not just about a wall. It was about the people, God's people. And so for us, I pray that we burn so deeply with a love for God's people. If you didn't get one of these sheets with a schedule on it, when we talk about Tuesday, paying it forward and going to Big B and Quality Dairy, passing out donuts and McDonald's, we're trying to tell somebody, man, you're loved and we love the city. Well, why would you do this? Man, we're, city life's turning one and we want, we're about life and true life and we want to love you. We hope that we'd see you Sunday. But we just want to pay it forward. And then Wednesday, when we go around and thank workforce, policemen, firefighters, different things, veterans, just bless them with love the city bas- ba- bags. And, And then Thursday, when we get dirty, do some projects, go to neighborhood parks, we're gonna clean up fire station eight. We're gonna go to the Homeless Angels Hotel and handle one of their projects. We're then gonna do... I'm gonna to go to Sparrow and do a pop-up, like just love, sing some songs and buy some smoothies for all the people that are in the lobby because some people are celebrating, other people are going through some serious pain. We're gonna be there and be present for them. We're gonna to go to meters on Friday and pay for people's parking. We're gonna go and knock on people's doors and neighborhoods and just give them some groceries, give them a hot and ready, give them a movie and some popcorn at different houses and just tell them that they're loved and then ultimately turning up for our one-year party. And it, because it, this is not about, um, it is really not about uh, the projects. It's about the people. And things like this, for too long, we have only sang songs and we have to go amongst and seek the people and let our heart break for the people and show up and watch what happens when we sometimes paint with a white, a wide brush. Because it's great to point with, paint with very specific brushes, but when we paint with a wide brush, Sometimes we can cover so much space and it creates so much buzz that people start to hope again. They start to dream again. They start to believe again. They start to rally again. And they get a part of something bigger than themselves. And they realize what's bigger than all of us is God's story of what he's doing. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Thank you. So, What I want to do, and I'm gonna challenge you. I'm gonna leave you with this thought. And Josh is gonna come out, and we're gonna take an offering. There's there's sign up uh, there's sign up on the on the board out there for different slots. Like we have all these different projects: 9 a.m., noon, three, six for every day. I would hope that maybe you could at least do a slot, but maybe you'll do a whole day. And I hope you do a whole day. We need a lot of people, and we need a lot of money. We've we've raised ten grand already. Uh, It's been awesome. We just got matched with another um, a memorial fund from James Swihart. This They matched the Benjamin Thompson Memorial Fund this week and we're at 10 grand uh, towards 20 grand in just like literally a couple weeks. And so we got two weeks left to take an offering today and then next Sunday, and we're trying to raise 10 more grand. Uh, so we got a capital need but we have a volunteer need. And so some of you are like, I can't give a dollar, but I can give time, okay, great. And some of you are like, I can give more dollars than I can time, okay, great. Well, let's all play our part in our role. Let's not have rotted out two by fours. Every role is significant, important. And so when you can sign up for any single day, you can sign up for multiple days, and then you got Saturday, which is gonna be like a free-for-all, it's two, we're gonna announce that later, we're calling that the city. But through Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday is this free-for-all day, and then Sunday, we're having the, the party here. Uh, so sign up for days, like take some time. And you might have to take some time off work. I'm not sure. And maybe you can't, maybe you can just give some money and maybe you can do neither. Maybe you can pray, but just be faithful and be challenged and know that we're doing a great work and we can't come down. And we have to focus because when a storm comes or a naysayer comes and it's going to be adversity, it says, you shouldn't be a part of that. Or, let's, let's, we should uh, not focus on this, this, this season in my life. And I can't, I can't be involved. Just turn the voices down and say, I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. Let's be a part of God's mission, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your mission of how it's been pulling me, pulling my family, pulling our leadership, pulling the people of this church. God, that City Life would be people that go and run to individuals where life exists, that we would rip down the walls, we'd rip down the barriers, we'd find ourselves interacting right where people are at, at the bars, at the club, like interacting. God, I pray that even some people here, they would be inspired to shift some of their time, shift some of their capital, that we would all do something collectively that would please you and ultimately tell more of your kids that they're loved so they can come back home, so they can meet Jesus and not meet tradition or rules or who they think you are, that you would rip down all of the walls and they would just see you for who you are. And when they get a glimpse of how great your story is, they would never be the same. Use it, God. God, challenge us to dream again, to be a part of something big again. For all the times that we took our ball home, I pray now we would take our ball and believe again and trust again, laugh again, have joy again, cry again together, share our pains, share our hurts. And those that are struggling today As I know you wanna do a great work in us. And for some of us, even in this thought of thinking that we could go love someone else when we're so longing to be loved, we're here right now, I pray that, your kids would know that you're here to set them free and that they would just let go and we would let go of everything this world has to offer. And we would trust you and lean not into our own understanding In all our ways acknowledge you and you will make straight our paths. God, you be the leader for love, the city. This is your heart for your people Thank you for the belief and faith that is in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.